does this for history. The sisters are going to win gold together. The Olympic champions, world champions, world record holders. They defend their title and they break the world record. Well done, Australia. Two gold medals on the opening night. The winner is Sydney. Australia has won the gold medal in the women's sevens rugby. Yes, she did get it. I was right. Pearson is the Olympic champion. What do you think we come here for? Silver? Stuff the silver, we come for the gold. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. What a legend. What a champion. And with that, the Sydney Olympics were underway. <laughs> Can you believe it's been 15, uh, nine, 15 years, 19 years. Can you believe it? I know, 19 years. Uh, oh, we need to uh, open the show officially now. I said to Trent after our last episode, I've got the perfect opening. I don't know why I didn't think of this last time. So, mesdames and messieurs, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the Sitting on Our Rings podcast. Uh, I'm uh, your host, Brendan. I'm joined by my co-host, Trent. Hello. And uh, today we are looking back at uh, Sydney 2000. It has been 19 years. Mm. 19 years ago today since the, the opening ceremony, since the crack of the whip heralded the opening of the, the games of the, the 27th Olympiad. 19 he long is. years. I know. Wow. <laughs> doesn't seem that long ago it that, doesn't. that I was there. It doesn't. And the thing that the thing that I've always found, obviously, you know, it was a home games in my in our lifetime, mm. you know. Um, the thing that I've always found enduring with Sydney, and I think it will always be this. Well, it will always be this way. Is you know that was it, it started on the fifteenth of September in the year two thousand. Uh, just over twelve months later, we had the tragic events of September eleven, mm. which of course you know obviously changed the world forever Mm. um i've always thought and always felt that because of that that the sydney games were really the last innocent games i would probably agree you know they were the last games where i mean obviously yes terrorism existed and all that sort of stuff and we you know we had the the horrible bombing in atlanta four years earlier and everything but the, the world changed 12 months after mm. um the sydney olympics and because it was the last real I mean, you were there and you were talking mm. about the, the way that security was and everything. Yep. Like, it, it's... Yep. The world changed and not yep. for the better. And, and Sydney was the last time the world came together in, in peace and goodwill, mm. you know, which is yep. which is sad looking you back know, on it, but... Without 
you know, organizing committees having to spend millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars mm-hmm. on security. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in the forefront of, you know, no. security's got to happen, but and that's the thing. not it, to the extent I mean, it was from, you know, Athens onwards. We've since found out that, like, yeah, they had, you know, anti-aircraft, you know, uh, weaponry and, and, and all that sort of stuff was in place for Sydney, but we didn't hear about it mm. because we never thought you'd Hardly need it. saw it. No. No. You know, I mean, don't like they were there, but it just wasn't. Mm. It wasn't as visible as what it it was what it mm. is now. And yeah, so we're going to look back at um, some of our favourite moments from the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games very soon. But before that, um, today this week has been a um, a rather big week for Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and a, the potential for it becoming the host of the 2032 Olympic Games. Uh, so moving forward, because it, you know, this is going to mm. be an ongoing thing for a little while, uh, we will obviously keep covering it. Mm. Um, so we're going to start our very, for the very first time, a little Brisbane 2032 okay. update. Queensland's bold bid for the 2032 Olympics. To explore how a Queensland 2032 Games would work. It could be a golden age uh, for Queensland. This is absolutely the right time for our part of the world. And the rings may be within reach. So, yes, a very big week for Brisbane 2032 this week. Tuesday saw a delegation dubbed Team Queensland. Uh, They went over to Switzerland and they met with Thomas Bach and some IOC officials to discuss a potential bid for the 2032 Olympic Games. Now, Team Queensland, I say in inverted commas, which is great on a, um, an audio podcast, <laughs> um, it was made up of John O'Neill from Stars Entertainment, um, a Labor MP, Milton Dick, Southeast Queensland Mayor's Rep Mark Jamison, Fairfax MP Ted O'Brien, the AOC President John Coates, and of course the Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk. Um, it's the first time that a country has been invited to the IOC to discuss um, if a successful bid um, is feasible, mm. which is interesting. Mm, yeah. Um, which I think is goes along with what we were talking about in our first episode, where the IOC they they don't want to repeat the mistakes of like your Athens mm. and your your Rio and stuff. They want countries to want the Olympics That's and they right. want to make them more affordable and and mm. and and feasible. So that that's what they're doing at the moment. Um, there's been a proposed new 80,000-seat stadium um, for Brisbane. Uh, there's also roads, new roads that will be mm. built. There would be a second M1 highway connecting Brisbane and the Gold Coast. Uh, there'd be a huge upgrade to the rail system, which, I mean, the rail network is already sort of undergoing a bit of a, an upgrade mm. at the moment anyway. Yep. Um, and there'd also, there's also talk of two Olympic villages, which would be a first. There'd be one here in Brisbane, a main one in Brisbane, and a secondary smaller one on mm. the Gold Coast. Uh, so there are a few things. And also, if successful, the IOC has um, pledged that they will put in just over $2 billion mm. towards the funding, which is going to cut costs a lot, yeah. a hell of a lot. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's that's your stadium yeah, pretty that's much right. That's right. right there. Yep. Um, and the current timeline that the way things could play out is the Queensland Premier said that she will announce if Queensland or... Brisbane, I should say, are officially going to bid in the next couple of months. Um, that should be done by November. Um, the bids would be submitted to the IOC um, by all countries wanting to bid uh, just before the Tokyo Games next year. 
uh, and then they're expecting an announcement in 2021. So again, it's going to be another long lead up, which I think it, it's looking like it could become the norm. Um, so to be an 11 year build up to the event, uh, to whichever country yeah. gets it. Uh, so that that's where we're at at the moment. It, it appears that talks were successful. Um, Thomas Bach liked what he saw and what he heard. Uh, the, the delegation of Aussies liked what the IOC had to say. Um, yeah, because, because what prompted this is Thomas Bach was here a few months ago for some world sport conferencing that was on the Gold Coast. And that's sort of what really kicked this thing into high gear is he mm. toured Brisbane and the Gold Coast. And I, I don't know if he went as far as the Sunshine Coast, but saw some of the facilities and saw what it's actually like here. And it's almost like mm. he's pushing <laughs> for us to get it. Yeah, And I mean, that's why I think he's having these meetings to see if it... Because they're not just saying a feasible bid. The actual wording is a feasible, successful yes. bid. So... Mm-hmm. With that that's one word where, in there, successful. Yeah, that's where we're at at the moment. So so what's your take on all that? I think it's uh, pretty much on the mark. You know, you <laughs> feel... You feel that if it really wasn't going to happen, why would we be doing all this, these yeah. talks and stuff? And I know all the local councils have to come on board as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to be invited over the first, you know, maybe host city to be invited over for these kind of significant talks, you would say, mm-hmm. and, you know, the press conferences that go with it. Yep. Uh, there was a lot of media over there too, like yes. Australian media. Yeah, yeah, you know. At least every major network had someone there covering it. Yeah, which gives you feel that maybe there is a bit of momentum to it could happening. And I guess, you know, Queensland, I guess we would have it in spring, our weather. Well, um, I've listened to a few uh, news uh, reports on it this week and also um, I think we've mentioned before like the... Uh, the Ready Set Tokyo podcast, yep. which you both listened to. Have you listened to this week's episode yet? I haven't yet. Kevin Gosper's on it. Okay. It's really good. Yeah, it's all about Sydney. Um, and I can't. There was also I can't remember if it was no, it was on one of the news reports I saw. Um, they were talking about it where if we were to get it because Sydney, it was they were able to push it to September. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were to get it, it would be August. August. Which okay. That's I mean, kind of the end still, of winter. it's the end of our winter, but our winter isn't that cold i mean it, it can be cold for us mm. but in terms of cold you know we're no, still looking it at really you know, wouldn't affect too many of the sports no. that are played there no honestly no, no, there's no. not a lot of rain during august no so that that's what they're looking for because they need to position it uh after wimbledon uh before the u.s open mm. and the only thing is i i don't know how it would affect our local sports uh, in terms of like your rugby league, like the NRL and AFL, mm-hmm. because they're not really it's it's not really the sort of thing where they could run concurrently no. with an Olympics because so much of the stadium would you know potentially be yeah, used. You know they're deep into their working up to their final series, yeah. so there's lots of live yeah. games. Because that in the in outcomes. 2000, um, the rugby league and AFL it started I think two or three weeks earlier than it normally does. Mm. To allow for the the main sports, you know, of the the winter sports in Australia to wrap up two weeks before mm. the game started. So whether that employs something like that, but I mean, uh, they it could be one of those things where they might start two or so weeks earlier, and then 
have a hiatus mm. for the two weeks of the games and then come back. Mm. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Or, you know, games that would be played up here in Queensland may relocate to the southern states, but then you're looking at TV coverage and... Yep. And ratings and so I mean I don't you know, know I don't know what they would do. Yeah, you know, but having like an an NRL game here in Brisbane on a Friday night mm-hmm. during the Olympics and trying to move all those uh, spectators around as well as spectators yeah, that for any of the events in Brisbane it wouldn't just happen. that extra no not at all congestion on the trains. No. Um, I mean it could be one of those things like they did during the Commonwealth Games where they could utilize, uh, you know surrounding areas like Toowoomba or something because mm. like I know Toowoomba had a few of the official Titans fixtures yep. from the Gold Coast um, during during the Commonwealth Games yep. last year but uh, I know the other big thing there that, that they're, they're really pushing is that 80,000 seat stadium they've in the the uh, local paper on Wednesday the day after the meetings they, they floated a few proposed sites for mm. that but we're going to keep that powder dry because our next episode Mm. Um, is actually going to be all about Brisbane 2032 because last week you and I got together yeah, we've been for work- about two hours. That's right, working hard on that one. On that <laughs> I've, one. I've never, Researching. I've never done so much research for podcasts <laughs> before. It's incredible. Um, and we, we really put our heads together. And like I said in the first episode, that's what prompted this whole thing was going, hey, what if we could really sort of nut this out, what mm-hmm. we think it could be? Mm. And yeah, we've we've come up with like wh- how we would see it play out in terms of venues and what sports would be there. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you, based on the um, what was in the media the other day for some proposed sites, we're bang on the money with some of them. Yes. And not far off with others. Yeah. Like, you know, going down when we explore it a bit more, I think, honestly, there's only one really purpose-built venue for mm. a sport mm. that's needed, apart from you know having to upgrade stadiums or whatnot and temporary seating. Only one sport really needs a, mm. a a proper venue built for it. Yeah. And I mean, of course, this week too, I, <laughs> there's always going to be naysayers for this sort of thing. Mm. I mean, not not everyone loves the Olympics. We, yeah. we know that. But they're the people that are not listening to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. So we can talk freely here because we know yep. that we've got Olympic fans and exactly. Olympic buffs listening. But it was very poor timing. Okay, I'll rephrase that. It was very unlucky timing. Unlucky. Um, yeah. That the Premier had to leave the state of Queensland to go and have these talks, which were planned months ago, mm-hmm. can I just say. Yeah, they were. Um, because last Thursday, Friday, around the time she left for Europe... Um, the state got gripped with really bad bushfires um, all around sort of southeast Queensland. I, I believe at one point, I think it was on Monday, they were saying statewide there was 80 different fires mm. burning. Um, and of course, her meeting was on Tuesday, our time, and, and, and it was a whole thing. And, you know, the, the opposition in the government and a lot of social media warriors and stuff were saying that she shouldn't have gone. She should have set someone in her place, which she actually addressed. And she said, well, the invitation was for me. Mm. Um, you know, that she shouldn't have left the state the way that it is. And um, she did, you know, after the meeting was had at the IOC, the plan was for the delegation to continue um, touring Europe. And they're actually meant to, they were meant to go to Paris um, to to view like the upcoming like Olympic venues and stuff mm. for that, how that preparation's going. She didn't. She left like straight after the meetings and flew straight back to Queensland yep. to to deal with the fire yep. crisis, the rest of the team stayed on yep. and did that tour, but she came back. So, I mean, I, I can't blame her for that. No. Um, I don't have any ill will towards her for that. No. Um, and, of course, everyone's saying, you know, all the keyboard warriors are, you know, we don't want it. 
it's you know it's going to cost this 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 and this and i mean these are people who <laughs> i say uneducated and some of them probably are but, mm. i mean generally but in terms of just they don't fully understand what they're talking about because people kept saying look what it did to rio and look what it did to yeah. athens it's like yeah and i i did comment on a few i try not to but a few of them i was just like yeah but that's why they're looking yeah. at somewhere like queensland yeah because the ioc don't want to do that to countries mm. Uh, you know, we, we've got, it, it said in the news reports this week, 85% of venues already done. Yes. Like, they're good to go now. Yes. The other 15% just need to be refurbed. And like we've said, like, main stadium on the cards. And I know the, the venue you're talking mm. about that mm. needs to be purpose-built. Mm. That's all we need to do. Yeah. And nice. it's, it's the thing that we have to do for getting venues is the infrastructure. Mm. And as some of the delegation were saying over there um, the other day, and I quoted this in one of the, the, the comments I put on social media as well, is these upgrades to roads, rail and everything else, they're going to happen anyway. Mm. They have to happen due they to do. population growth yes. alone. Like, yep. you know, in the next 15 to 20 years, it's going to happen anyway. And what having an event like the Olympics does puts an end date to it yeah or a due date i should say like it puts you've got that date there you need to get it done by that date and the beauty of having an 11 year build up it you know it gives you that extra seven eight nine ten eleven extra three years to get it done and not be rushed Mm. um so i mean obviously i'm gonna say yes i want the olympics in my hometown (laughs) because i'm me and you're you and exactly i will say yes but Looking at it as just from someone who lives in Brisbane and who lives in Southeast Queensland and everything, one of the things I'm looking forward to, apart from the event, if we were to get it, is that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, the Olympics will be an amazing event and it lasts for two weeks. Well, you know, essentially four weeks, if you inc- you know, including the Paralympic Games, mm-hmm. which, of course, goes hand in hand. Yep. Um, so, you've got a month of... of uh, sporting spectacular sporting yeah, festival sporting frenzy yeah which is great but then and obviously you know that's going to pay off in terms of tourism and things like that which will which it worked for sydney for mm. quite a while um but it's it's the infrastructure that will last decades nice. after the olympics mm. you know probably well pretty much to the time where i'll probably be ready to go off the mortal coil <laughs> <laughs> we would have watched a lot of Olympic games from our nursing yeah. homes and our <laughs> retirement villages so so yeah that, that's my take on it at the moment but well like i said we're going to dive into uh hardcore into to brisbane 2032 on our next episode when we sort of float our our proposal of what we think it could and mm. probably should be mm. uh so the, the meat of this episode, like I said before, is today is the 19th anniversary of Sydney 2000. Uh, next year is going to be a big one. 20. <laughs> 20th. That's, that's scary. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because for me, in terms of my life, it's almost sort of like, you know, BC and AD. Like, I kind mm. of have, you know... <laughs> what was I doing in 2000? BS and AS. Yeah. Like, I have before Sydney and after Sydney. Mm. Like, Sydney is kind of that, you know, all at this mm. stage of my life too, it is kind of like the halfway mark. Mm. But, yeah, it, that's sort of how I look at things. And mm. I have since sort of 2001, mm. 2002. So, last episode, we did our top three Olympic, like, gold medal mm. moments. 
Um, and I thought if we were to do our favourite gold medal moments from Sydney for this episode, we'd probably retre- be retreading a lot of territory we covered mm. in the last episode. Mm. Well, at least three or four of them between the two mm. of us. Um, so we're going to look at our favourite moments or favourite sort of events or things from Sydney 2000 doesn't have to be a sporting event. Mm. Just anything that came under the umbrella of Sydney 2000, you know, between... From, well, essentially from the, the start of the year 2000 or at least May when the torch relay kicked off and mm. everything. So it's going to encompass all that sort of stuff. You don't know what I've got on my list. I don't know what, what you're going to throw out there. Um, but did you want to kick us off? Did you want to... And these are in no particular order, mm. by the way. It's mm. not a countdown like last no. time. It's just... just Five moments. things and moments that you treasure from Sydney 2000. So, mm. kick us off, Trent. Um, I think one that I remember because, as we said last week, I got to be there. I was mm-hmm. very lucky to there. So, I got to witness a few things live. And so, um, what one of the things with Sydney was too is there was a lot of Olympic debut sports mm-hmm. and a lot of disciplines within yeah, the, the, these in, these sports as well. Um, a lot and of female first. A lot of female first. Yep, you know, and it's surprising when you look back on it how it took so long. Y- yeah, but also too how well Australia did in all these debut sports and debut disciplines. Like mm-hmm. you know, some of them are in some of the highlights for me, and I can rattle off other ones. But like it was, I thought that was quite an interesting little. Fun fact to know that mm. yeah, like you know, I can you know I can think of like five. The two that come to mind five for me events were, where uh, we won trampoline and um, well women's pole vault that we talked about last time. But it seems like women's pole vault. Like, mm. why did it take so long for that event to be included to be in the Olympics? Yeah, it's you know, considering you know that you had Emma George, who was an Australian, leading the way for women's pole vault around the world. She was a world record holder. Mm-hmm long but yeah it didn't make its debut till 2000 and Crazy. i think that's where the olympic movement kicked off the you know the equality for mm. women and you know getting the same events as men and you know leading up to tokyo that'll be the exact same mm. amount of women and men competing in the same event and all these new mixed events as yes, well that's going to be is, interesting to see yeah yeah you know so you know they removed few different disciplines a lot of the men's only events mm-hmm. um you know not discluding you know baseball softball which was a which was added back yeah. in for tokyo but like all the you know the men's only events were removed mm-hmm. and women's events added to which make up for right. it yeah which you know we, we talk sydney 2000 and, and this is going to tie into to the first thing i want to bring up but you know the the torch relay around the stadium was all women mm. because sydney marked the centenary of women's participation in the Olympic Games. So, you know, it's it's certainly in the last 19 years continued to grow, which, which it should, mm. like it shouldn't even be a discussion point anymore. Mm. Like it should mm. just be equal. That's right. You know, but uh, yeah, so, so my first moment that I want to talk about is the torch relay. Um, I, I mentioned last episode, like I, I love the Olympic torch and the Olympic flame as much as the Olympics themselves, <laughs> like as a separate event, I, I really, really love it. And this was my first taste of it. Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously I can, I, I knew what the torch relay was and I knew, you know, you know what, what it was about and everything, but the Olympic torch relay is what really got the nation behind the Olympics. Mm. Um, because it, it, 
all it went everywhere it went all around the country it went around australia for 100 days mm. I, I can still remember it it arrived in uluru on june 8 mm. um of the year 2000 uh and then i was lucky because there was a lot of hype around it when it first landed mm. actually queensland was lucky um because we were the like as you know obviously it arrived in the northern territory but then it came straight to queensland we were the first state to get it so it arrived on the 8th within four days it was going through my hometown <laughs> and then like later in the week it, it came through brisbane where, yes. where you were yeah because like i said i'm about 90 minutes mm. to the west well you still live about 90 minutes to the west of brisbane i'm um, in a place called toowoomba so I can remember that I desperately wanted to see the Olympic torch. Um, the problem being, the weekend that it was going through Toowoomba, it was freezing cold and raining. And my younger brother is 10 years younger than me, so he was only six at the time. And we'd planned to... Because there was a big... Um, one of the, the sort of the main parks in the the sort of the CBD area of Toowoomba is a place called Queens Park. Um, and they were having a... That's where they were having the live event for that night. And the plan was to go to that. Uh, then it was really cold and wet. And mum and dad were like, well, we don't want to take your brother out in this weather because he got sick really easy and everything, as mm. all kids that mm. age do. Um, and then good family friends said that they were going to go. So mum and dad teed up for me to go with them. Because again, I was 16. I couldn't drive. Yeah. You, know, I, you know, I had to rely on other rely people on the folks yeah and uh they were going to go so i was all set to go uh probably about an hour before we were meant to leave they called and said they weren't going to go because like man it was like it was really cold <laughs> and yeah and it was it was very very wet and i was i was pissed oh, <laughs> i was really angry I was really angry so what i'd planned to do and i remember this weekend so well because it was the queen's birthday long weekend um, the next day, we were having a big birthday party at home for my dad's 50th. It was my, my dad's 50th the next day on the Sunday. So, I had planned to ride my bike down to Town Hall, which is essentially... This is going to make Toowoomba sound really small, but it's not. Um, it was straight down my the street that I lived on because I lived on a main street because we didn't live far from mm. sort of the main, the main area of town. Probably been about a good... 20 minute half hour ride so it's a big street um my plan was to get up at around 4 35 o'clock ride my bike down to town hall because um uh aussie commonwealth games medalist darren lang was um starting the torch relay the next morning from town hall and then running it out of it was getting run out of toowoomba so that was my plan was to get up early and go and do that and i told my mum and dad that i'm like well this is what i'm doing then um and I was in my room as like, you know, you are when you're teenager, had the door shut and mm -hmm. sort of stuff, listening to music, whatever. And uh, dad came in and he's just like, what, what do you want to do? And I said, look, I just want to see it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have to. I mean, now I'm just kind of like that. I want to go to the, I should have. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I was just like, I just want to see it. I, I don't care if I just... I just want to watch it run past me. Mm. You know, I want to say that I saw the Olympic flame. Dad's like, okay. So, again, we lived on a main street. So, it was running on our street, but it was a, a fair way down, a little bit of the way down from where we lived. So, Dad's like, okay, if if I drive you down, we'll go 
you know, we know when it's going to be there. We'll leave about 15 minutes before, before they close the road. We'll chuck a park and we'll, we'll watch it. Cool. So that's how I took in the torch relay was freezing cold night, standing in the rain with my dad, watch the torch run past me. And it was great. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> and if you'd, you'd remember too, um, that week in Queensland, every evening on Channel Seven from five thirty to six, they had so the follow, follow the, flame, the flame, the Queensland, and it was yeah for the from the Monday to Friday, mm. every day it was a half hour highlights package mm. of the Torch Relay for that day, so that was really really cool. Um, and I, I yeah, yes, I just, made sure if I wasn't home that it got recorded. Yeah, on and video. I, I had I taped them all and I actually yeah. transferred them all to DVD, <laughs> so I've I've still got every single well, episode. That's some future watching for us. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, my, my first moment is, is the torch relay, my experience with it and just what it did to the, to the nation. Mm. Yeah. And oh, spoiler alert, I will be talking torch relay again. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I know how much you love the torch yeah. relay. So what's your next? Um, well, you mentioned it kind of a little bit before. And as, as I said, I was there um, and randomly in the ticket draw, because it was kind of had like a roll down effect the year before. If you missed out on this, you could put in for this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. So we and Dad and I ended up with tickets to men's trampoline. Yep. Once again, this is the Olympic debut. Yep. This is <laughs> yep. the Olympic j- debut of trampoline. But you know, I probably could say I wouldn't have had an interest in mm. gymnastics and men's trampoline. Like not follow the sport, but it's a ticket we got. So you know. Of course, we're excited to go and went along. I think it was an, I started in an afternoon session, it was like a split mm. session and went along for the start of it. And what do you know? There was an, uh, of course, because a host country, um, you get to enter an athlete in every sport, mm-hmm. in every discipline. If, if you're hosting, one, if, yep. yeah. If, and if there's, you find a suitable um, athlete to do it. And um, Joe Wallace came along and uh he had his go and then at um they went through the rounds of all the other athletes i think there might have been about 16 or something like that 14 i think it came down to a top eight mm-hmm. qualified and then jai we looked and jai wallace got into the top five i think he qualified and i'm going wow that was unexpected and so then the final was a few hours later i think and uh they came back out for the final and I think they went in order of how they qualified. So mm-hmm. Jai Wallace was about in the middle and uh, a few other guys went through their routines and then Jai was up and he did a really, from what I thought was a great routine, like going, I mean, I certainly couldn't do that, but it looked really clean, you know, landing on the little X that's in the middle of the mm. trampoline and some great skills. And they also they judge on height as mm-hmm. well and from what I could tell he was like jumping really high and so got his through his routine and at the time he was in first place so he finished it in first place and um, he did really well yep and he uh, another guy came out and then one of the Canadians came out and uh, there was only two left um, the Canadian came out and then he I think he ended up in third place and then there was the one guy left which was um, I think it was he was a Russian world champion I think and he put down a really solid routine. It was really mm. good. And so he ended up with the gold medal. But uh, And then Jai Wallace ended up with the silver medal. And, you know, the excitement in the stadium yeah. and, like, you know, and Jai's excitement as well. Like, you I know, he'd, he'd been really around clearly. the Queensland gymnastics scene for a while. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, gone to trampoline world championships and stuff, but no one really knew who no, he was. No, it's funny how like a hometown no game really knew who he was. Can make someone like Jai Wallace a, a household name. Yep. I mean, I, people probably don't. Rem- people like us remember him, but back then, everyone knew who Jai Wallace was. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, it yep. was it was just one of those things. In you know, in an Olympic debut sport, and just you know, when he was getting his medal, he was so excited and so happy. You know, fist pumping, hands up in the air, just. And the whole crowd was like, you know, yelling and clapping, you know, waving pom-poms that and banners and Australian With flags. Sydney, and, it didn't um, matter what colour the medal was. If you were an Aussie, it, it didn't matter. No, not at all. <laughs> you were treated like yep. a gold medalist. Yeah, bronze bronze was a gold. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, just being in that stadium and the excitement and, you know, the yelling and the cheering and then, you know, just like, and watching how these kind of competitions work when the competitors come out and how significant scores are down to you know like point ones and mm. point twos and all that kind of stuff and you know watching the competitors come through and then you realize that there's only two people left or one person left mm-hmm. and you know an athlete an australian athlete that you'll be supporting ends up with a medal so then you yeah. just got you got to watch the last person and to work out what color they end up with yeah so that was that was really exciting because as i said when we got the ticket it wasn't really in the front of our mind that we would even be watching an Australian compete. Mm-hmm. And it was the debut Olympic debut of the sport and then come out and then, you know, Jai qualifies for the final and then comes out in the final the and silver. gets a silver medal, which I thought perhaps probably put the sport of trampolining onto into the Australian into our radar anyway. Yeah, into yeah. the Australian radar, yeah. 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 No, so that was a really fun moment. Yeah. yeah, whenever I see it, I always think of Jai back in 2000. Yeah. Like, and yeah. it's actually one of those things. This is probably sacrilege to a lot of Olympic spectators and fans and stuff, but, like, I I personally don't dig watching the gymnastics as much as other people do. Mm. Um, it's one of those things. I, I can't sit and watch hours of it. No. I can I'm come a, and I'm, go. I'm, I'm a bit the same. Um, whereas other things I can watch, just sit there and watch all day. Yeah. But yeah, but the, I, the trampoline, I always find really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, every four years when I get it's the It's a thrill it's, of like, where on the trampoline are they going to land? Yeah, where are they going to land? Because <laughs> you see a few people, you know, almost yeah. die. Yeah, <laughs> Olympic bloopers, you see people land. Are they going to have to throw that pad in or not? <laughs> yeah. You see them land not anywhere near the X. No. Um, so my next moment again ties into the torch relay to a degree um but my my next moment is olympic eve so this was september 14 so the day before the opening ceremony i i still think back to the footage we were seeing that evening broadcast around the country and you know it was being beamed around the world of the torch going around the Sydney Opera House, mm. um, going through the the main like the CBD of Sydney and, and ending up at the at the Sydney Town Hall, the there was over a million people came out in the streets of Sydney that night to watch it go through, and you had you know Olivia Newton John ran it around the the Opera House. Um, she was she handed it over to Pat Rafter, and there's that wonderful shot of them holding the Olympic torch together with the Harbour Bridge in the background mm. and then the rings yep. got turned on. Yep. And um, it just... I love seeing those rings yeah. on in a host city, especially when it was Sydney. That yeah. was the best. Just seeing... seeing It really encapsulates the way that Australia embraced that event because 
I mean, you look at the footage, and again, this is another one I recorded it off TV and transferred it to DVD. Like the the quality isn't great, but it's something I I can still watch. The people, pe- it it's just fever pitch. People, and this is the thing: if if we were lucky enough to get it again in twenty thirty two, I don't know if it would be like that. Mm. I I mean, I hope it would be, but I it's going to be something really hard to recapture because the crowds and and but just the way the media are talking about it and it's just everyone was just in complete awe mm. you know people saying they'd never like these are like journalists who've covered so many events for decades and they're just like i've never seen anything like this mm. like this is unbelievable and you know they had greg norman on the tv coverage talking about it mm. and he was in awe and they they cut to Andrew Gaze who was the Australian team captain and flag bearer and he was in the Olympic Village watching it and he was in awe and you know you had the likes of Dawn Fraser and Murray Mm. Rose carrying it through the streets of Sydney and and, you know Murray handed off to Curry Webb who at that stage was I think the US Open golf yeah and world number one in women's golf golf. and you know she carried the torch up the stairs at, at, at Sydney Town Hall and her and the mayor lit a especially made cauldron that, that I don't know if it's still on the steps of Sydney, but it was a, sort of like a permanent structure mm. um, at the time. And, oh, mate, the footage, it's yeah. one of those things. I could watch it any day of the week and I can still remember sitting at home in Toowoomba, like, you know, my parents are telling me to pack to get ready to go to the coast for two weeks, which we were on, going on holidays the next day. But I just, I just sat in front of the TV just thinking, as a 16-year-old kid, just thinking... Oh my God! This is mm. this probably won't ever happen again in my lifetime. Yeah, this is this is that's. I always knew it was something special, and I'd been looking forward to it for the seven years lead up. But that footage on the night of Olympic Eve, that was where it moved to another level for me, and I was just dumbstruck of <laughs> like, holy shit! This is this is huge. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, and that continued for the next two weeks. Something like yeah. that in our country. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Olympic Eve, that, that's a big one for me. Yeah, I, I do remember Olympic Eve as well, so I can see yeah, see how <laughs> much you would like that, yeah. Yeah, so what's your your second, or um, your third moment, actually? I'm thinking prob- it was probably getting to watch an event on TV and um, with... It was the Saturday morning, the very first day of the Olympics. So at the opening ceremony the night before and, you know, just watching it and I recorded it on video. Um, and then I got up again really early on Saturday morning and kind of watched it again just to, <laughs> to look at the everything again. And then um, I think the very first event, uh, medal event of the Sydney Olympics. Women's triathlon. Stop stealing my thunder, Brendan. <laughs> no, I'm just, I mean, because I, I know I'm not yeah. stealing it. I'm just like, I remember that, what it that's is. That's what yeah. it is. That was the first medal event. And once again, it was the Olympic debut of a sport. Uh-huh. Um, and then just getting to watch on, I didn't really know much about triathlon. So, but it was the very first event. And of course, Channel 7 had full coverage mm-hmm. of that. Kicking it off, I think it started at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the siren went off. And all the ladies dove into the water and then just kind of that's where the whole it's, Olympic... It's underway. It's underway. Like the Olympic, the Olympic broadcast is underway. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, of course, it went around the streets of Sydney, through Sydney Harbour, all through the streets. And then, you know, during that, they would 
cut away to you know some heats of swimming mm-hmm. and because um, you would have had like your 400 like the men's 400 heats and stuff yep, too that's like with right Thorpe with and Thorpe everything. and everything and then you know cutting away and um, we had there was like a an Australian pistol shooter was heading towards the finals um, so you know cutting away for an update on how it was going there and then you know it was just the Olympic like oh my god great I've got two weeks of this this mm. two weeks of excitement and then did that, that pistol she won bronze didn't she, she did yeah Anne-Marie yeah. Forder yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah she won bronze in the women's 10 meter pistol yeah mm. and you know we'd never won a pistol medal before either so that you know once again something new and uh, you know just watching that and then of course uh, Australia had a lot of very high ranked women in women's triathlon so there was a lot of expectation on our athletes don't tell me because I'm trying to rack my brain for the name of the Aussie who got the silver. I mean, I know it, so I'm just trying to see Is if it, you know it. Was it Michaeli Jones? Yeah, Michaeli Jones. Michaeli Jones, yes. yeah. So, and, as, and you know, going on again, as I said, like, you know, watching as the the bike leg went on and then the race leg and here's, you know, Michaeli Jones and coming through and like going, oh my God, Australia's going to get a medal. Was it a Canadian that got gold? Uh, no, it men's? was um, a Swiss athlete. That's right. And the was men's a Canadian got gold, didn't yes, they? Yes, yeah. yeah. And a Swiss athlete. And then as it turned out, I think she might have been pregnant. Oh. When she, just when she, when she'd won. So that was a, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, so the very first medal event of the day, Australia can pick up, you know, a silver medal. And that kind of just kicked off our medal tally, but, you know, kicked off the excitement of, you know, Australia's on the medal tally. Here we go. You know, we're second mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. just for a, yeah. a few minutes. <laughs> but, you know, just watching, you know, the cutaways to different sports and um, highlighting all around Sydney, seeing the crowds mm. outlining the streets. Um, and, you know, you could see that everyone was excited about yeah. it as well. You know, the transition area the where the, and the finish line, the stand was completely packed that, out. That was around the Opera House too. That was yes, yeah, in the Opera House uh, outside the steps. I yeah, think. that was yeah. where the finish line was. Yeah. Um, so you know that was something that I remember. You know, her winning the silver medal, but just watching it on TV and excitement, going, ah, oh, can't wait for to watch. You know, two weeks worth of this. Yeah. I wish I didn't have a job, and I could have stayed <laughs> See, at home. I then, was, but I was okay because I was going in a, a week. I later. was lucky because. Um, of course, all the schools went on the September... Because there's always a, a break in the September, sort of late September, early October. There's a two-week school holiday here um, just before you start your last term before the end of the year. Because unlike the States, like our school year is actually a calendar year um, because our summer is Christmas time. Mm. Um, it's always blown my mind that overseas, like a school year split between two calendar years. That would yep. just mess with my head. But anyway, um, so yeah, we were on school holiday, so... I didn't have well, I didn't have a job, <laughs> but like I didn't have to worry about. I mean, I had a job, but it was you know school after hours thing. Mm. But I didn't have to worry about going to work or doing school mm. because I was sixteen and mm. on school holidays mm. and literally on holidays with my family. So mm. that was pretty good. Yeah. But uh, my my next moment follows on from Olympic Eve, um, and I mean by and large, my moment is the opening ceremony. Uh but for me, it is September the 15th, just in general, because I I woke up really early that morning uh, because, again, live coverage of the torch going across the Harbour Bridge with uh, with Greg Norman and Louise Savage and um, Nicole Kidman's dad yeah. Yeah, carried yeah. it across. So I remember getting up early to watch that. 
Um, you know, we then travelled to the to the Sunshine Coast, uh, watched the footage of Sam Riley taking the torch to the top of the sails of the Opera House, and I'd I'd had a really early shower that evening. I was just getting over a really bad cold. Actually, I'd been sick that week. I had a really early shower. Um, was dressed ready sitting in front of the tv from like five o'clock to watch the news for that day which was all olympic stuff mm. uh and i remember dad being if you knew my dad this would be make total sense but first night at the coast he wanted to go to the surf club mm. to have some yeah, beers and stuff story, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i i mum mum has just gone no <laughs> like it's the opening ceremony and mum wanted to watch it mm. she's like the boys and i are staying at home and we had family friends at the Sunshine Coast. They were just about to finish up their holiday and we overlapped for a day or two. So, Dad went to the surf club and had some drinks with his mate and, you know, his wife and, and you know, the kids were there. Anyway, they came back to our unit for the, the majority of the opening ceremony. And Dad came in and was a bit, a little bit pissy <laughs> being at the, the surf club having some beers and... I remember I just... It had already started at that point and I was just in my element. And anyway, when they came home and they were being noisy and stuff and oh. I remember... Shut up, mum. Reme- just shut up. No, mum... Yeah, mum was fine. But I remember mum saying to dad, like, you need to stop hmm. because Brendan's going to lose it. <laughs> like, this is really important. So anyway, they... Things were going fine and I believe... I can't remember exactly where it happened in the the scheme of things, but of course, you know, the opening ceremony, you know, and all the lead up footage to that with all the guests arriving and just seeing what the stadium looked Mm -hmm. like because we hadn't seen that, like what the ground looked like and and everything. It was just so, so good. But the the unit we were staying on, the apartment for international listeners that we were staying in, at one point, the power went out. (laughs) That's right, yeah. And what it I wa- feel your devastation. With that. What it was was um, someone put the kettle on. It shorted out the switchboard because of the safety switch went on. Something happened to the kettle. It shorted. It turned off the power to the apartment. Everyone sort of was just like, "Oh, ha, ha, you know, power's out." No. And Dad was sort <laughs> of like, "Oh, you know." And then that. no, know, and then like our family that. friends like, "Oh, you know, we're only about a ten minute walk away. You can come back to our place and watch it." And Mum literally grabbed Dad pulled him aside and was like you need to fix this and you need to fix it now because i was i was losing my collective shit i was going <laughs> off i was yep. just like i have waited half my life it. i can picture it for tonight like literally for tonight this cannot happen but thankfully um i think dad quickly realized how like he knew that i was into it but he realized this was this was really important to me and it was it got fixed, and you know I only missed about five or ten minutes of it. I think it might have been through the parade of nations, so I didn't really miss too much. Um, I still yeah, I was, still love the parade of oh, nations. Yeah, so do I, I know that a lot of people try and skip through it, but yeah. I really love it just to see what each country's yeah. flag bearer is, who they pin their medal hopes on, and sometimes it and is a got, bit of a curse to certain athletes yeah. to be. The flag bearer. flag bearer. And you've got, you know, when you've got a commentator like Bruce McAvaney here in Australia who always calls that sort of thing, like the facts that he throws out, are, it's it's never boring. It's mm. always very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just, just watching the opening ceremony unfold because for so long it had been 
what is it going to be? Mm. And you're watching it, you're just thinking, this is spectacular. Mm. And, you know, like the Olympic band and what they did yep. with that. And and then, of course, like your big moments, like obviously your, your torch relay, the lighting of the cauldron, and which was awesome. We won't talk about the glitch with the cauldron mm. <laughs> where it looked like it wasn't going to work properly. Um, and, and then just that feeling after it of going, wow, like that was it. Like that, the, was, it, yeah. that was the opening ceremony. And it was years of space ever since Muhammad Ali lit the torch in Atlanta mm. it was always over here who's it gonna be mm. and just having that it was Kathy mm. just having that feeling of oh my god I just I just witnessed the Sydney 2000 opening ceremony mm. when it's mm. been such a talking mm. point for almost a decade mm. Mm. and I mean yeah there's some really special moments that I have from that ceremony mm. um some of them I don't want to talk about too much because like I said last episode I want, I want to do that episode of our favourite Olympic songs nice. but there were multiple moments that involved songs um, yeah. in that opening ceremony that I just adore um, even the Australian National Anthem mm. for that opening ceremony you will never hear a rendition mm. like not so much the human nature element of it but um, the Julie Anthony yep. singing and particularly that when they do the refrain of the first verse when they bring that back again mm-hmm. and it is just full choir full orchestra 110,000 people and Julie Anthony's voice it, I do I do remember after that beautiful. Julie Anthony got booked for quite a lot of opening ceremonies and sporting events corporate, events, gigs. corporate yeah. gigs to sing the national <laughs> yeah. anthem so that was very good for her career yeah um, I mean the front cover of her greatest hits is a shot of her from singing Sydney. the national anthem at yep. the Sydney 2000 yep. games yep. Uh, but yeah mate like 15th of September opening ceremony if I had to pick a non-sporting moment, like the opening ceremony is, is, is what I always think of. And it's it's kind of what I always think of when I first think of Sydney 2000. I think mm. of the opening ceremony. Mm. Um, there's a reason I have a huge framed panoramic shot of the opening ceremony in my living room. It was mm. the first ever piece of memorabilia I ever bought back in early 2002 mm. when I first had a full-time job and stuff. Mm. It, I loved that opening ceremony. It, mm. was, it just it was so good and it meant so much to so many people. and. Mm. They pulled it off. Yeah, they did. Brilliant. I think it did set a different kind of precedent too for other cities to have such big opening ceremonies like that, and you know, showing cultural history of their countries and like you mm. know, using well-known people to their country. You know, for Rio, a lot of the performers there are probably not well known outside Brazil mm. or South America, but. We just get to see them. Yeah, we get to see it. And that's it. And it exposes that to the rest of the world mm. and country and traditions, costumes, all that kind of stuff. It, it was kind of the last... I mean, for, for the time, it was high tech. Yeah. But it was kind of the last, quote unquote, low tech opening ceremony as well. Mm. Because technology changed so much and so quickly. Yeah. Um, that by the time Athens came around, the stuff they were doing... Like Rick Birch, who was the director of ceremonies for Sydney... I can remember Channel 7 had him in the commentary bo- mm. box for the opening ceremony in, in mm. 2004. It's only four years later. Mm. And I remember him saying, like, the things that they're doing here, we we could not have done in Sydney because the technology just didn't exist. Yeah. You know, like right. They filled the stadium with water mm. and, and all the laser and, like, flying effects that they did for Athens. It was mind-blowing. Mm. But Sydney didn't have that. But no, and that's I, right. I still kind of like that Sydney had... It was one of those opening ceremonies that you could... You could see the wires and things, but that adds to it. Yeah, that's me. And I don't think I've ever told you this um, about the opening ceremony um, is that 
uh, in the lead up to Sydney, I was in this uh, club called the Olympic, the Olympic club. club. I wasn't yep. in it, but I remember yep. it. Yeah, I was in it, and as part of being in it, our members got one free ticket to the dress, the official dress rehearsal of the opening ceremony. And because dad and I were going, mum decided, you know what, I'm going to use it. So she went down to Sydney on her own yeah, uh, and went out to the dress rehearsal on her own. It started like two o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. Yeah. I've got a feeling she said Roy and HG did the warming up of the crowd Mm -hmm. and stuff. And then it was like, the actual full ceremony with the performers yeah. and whatnot. And, you know, of course, the big thing was, you know, it was good that there was no, no major... Social media. No social media, no major internet back then, so yeah. you couldn't get the spoilers, but they asked, please don't reveal what you see, mm-hmm. what you hear, the people who are coming out performing. So, like, you know, in the end, and, you know, their mum came back and I was, like, begging her to tell me. She would not tell me a single thing that's good the, though that is good and the only thing she did not see was who was lighting the cauldron yeah or everyone else was there yep like she told me that you know human nature came out in there oh yeah all in the tracksuits and whatnot yeah. all the performers were there doing their thing fill-ins for this that and the other it was the actual full ceremony mm. just to get minus it right the athletes and the lighting of the cauldron yeah minus other, and then yeah but the only thing they didn't have there was who was actually lighting cauldron mm. but i begged mum to give me some of the details about it and she goes no nah, i'm not telling you a single thing you can watch it on friday night yeah and of course we were watching friday night. i looked over at her and she goes yeah i saw that like when certain things had happened i'm going what was that like she goes yeah i knew that was happening yeah and that would have been great being able to see it again so soon as well yeah yeah nice yeah i don't think yeah, i don't think i ever told you that but knowing what i know now I probably would have used a tick gone on my own to do that <laughs> and becoming such a fan after Sydney. So. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh what's your penultimate number uh, four? Um look, I know it, it we touched on it last week, but as I said to you, like I was fortunate enough to go and I think being able to go to an Olympic Games and just... It's really good, actually, because we're getting both sides here of someone who loves it who couldn't go, all the stuff I'm talking about, and <laughs> someone who loves it who did go, because you're talking about the actual experience. experience. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I think, you know, you, I could put it, you know, as as a top pick, but actually being there and seeing... you Read, read, read about in the newspapers and seen on the television, but to go there and see the venues live not through a tv screen Mm -hmm. and um to see all the the signs and the the symbols and all you know the arrows pointing here to this venue and going to the live site in sydney olympic park like you know you're right in the middle and you know over to your left you've got live hockey matches going on and over to your right is the sydney tennis center and you know live tennis was going on behind us back you know there was live softball going on mm-hmm. um you had athletes warming up on the athletics track and just being in that bubble that atmosphere like all the the, sh- the souvenir shops and mm. and all that kind of stuff and just sitting there and had like a big tv screen you and i do like our merch yeah we do we, are, we should do an episode yeah. on some of our favorite olympic things we have actually yeah we have a lot of olympic merch and yeah. a lot of olympic books yeah um you know and just like walking around going to the venues watching sport live you know it's not like um going down to a, 
a local athletics carnival no. or <laughs> or watching the the local touch footy team or something like that. It was just their, you know, being in the atmosphere and um, you know, something that you take away from it is just that you know strangers were talking to strangers. Mm-hmm. Like the person sitting next to you was probably you know your your best friend for four or five hours while you're sitting yeah. in the stadium and you know. You know, going back to, of course, being there the night when Kathy, yeah, yeah, and like walking out, and like it took us out, like you know, an hour and a half to get to the train station because we were on the other side of the stadium mm. to walk around. And I, but I, I've been to Olympic Park. That's not a long distance. It's not a long distance. <laughs> not at but, all. One hundred ten thousand people need to get out of that yeah, stadium. Yeah, and and everyone leaving at the same time, but everyone was just stopping and talking to each other about the thrill and the excitement of what they'd witnessed, what they'd ha- you know, what had happened. Mm. And that's, I think, the fun of sport and the, the brilliance of sport and the Olympic movement that can bring complete strangers. Yeah. You know, Dad and, like, you know, by the end, I was probably almost hoarse by the time I got home because, like, from talking and, yeah. you know, being in the stadium and yelling and, and cheering and, um, you know, then we get to watch Tatiana win her medal. So, you know, that was highlight of being there and experiencing some kind of atmosphere because I don't think I'd really had that kind of atmosphere feeling well, feeling have. before no and no. like and like loving you know seeing the Barcelona and Atlanta yeah. on the TV and like being there mm. like you know and I I remember years and years later um, when I went on a tour around around Europe we we're in Spain and I made sure I picked a tour that went to Mount Mount Montjuich. So, yep. and I walked into the um, Olympic Stadium for Barcelona, and that was a really wonderful moment for me as well. Mm. Like going, yeah, I've been to two Olympics. Do they still there. have the, the cauldron there? Yes, it's still, still there. Nice. Yeah. yeah, you know, and the part of the tour took us past um, the diving venue. Mm-hmm. You could still see the platform there. Um, that was a beautiful diving venue with the city in the background. It was, it was like you know, and you could walk walk past that as well. And I think. The hockey was up there as well, um, you know. So, but yeah, so that was great being in that stadium. But you know, as I said, being in Sydney, seeing all this stuff live, mm. going to the the different sports, um, and just walking around, and then you know, walking down the back of the park out to the archery. You know, that was unexpected. I didn't really know much about archery mm. before that whatsoever. But that was one of the tickets we got in the ticket drawer. So yeah. You know, and, you know, once again, I don't think Australians really knew anything about archery at all before the Sydney 2000 Olympics. And no. and after that, a lot of people knew who Simon Fairweather Simon was. Fairweather. It's funny. Olymp- Olympic fans and sporting fans yeah. would know who he is. It's funny you said about, you know, when you went to Spain, you went to do the tour and stuff. Like, I sit here and I go, yeah, I do that as well. Like, the first time I went to Sydney, um, which was six years after the Games, I was 22. Um, and I, I went out to Homebush mm. and did the tour of which was there was well Stadium Australia at that point it was Telstra Stadium, um, and it was still very Olympics heavy. You know, you got to go under the stadium and and see all this stuff. And um, they had the Sydney two thousand dais um, out on the field, so you could get your photo taken on the field, standing on the gold medal dais, mm. holding an Australian flag and stuff. So that was really cool. And and in Montreal, we went to where. Um, sort of like it's it's now a big biodome thing mm. um but they still i mean even that you know i was there in early 2014 their olympics were in 1976 mm. and there's still olympic mm. things there like like with the torch and mm. 
Like, it still felt, felt very Olympic. Yeah. And then I just realized whilst sitting here, thinking about it, when you said about going to Spain, it's like, I've been to LA twice and I've not seen the Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how shit am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, next time. You know, and it, that just, I just thought about another thing, like quite a few years ago when I went skiing in Whistler. Yep. You know, and Whistler was a, a venue for when um, uh, Canada had it and the Olympic rings are still there because they had the medal ceremonies, I think were conducted where the ice skating rink was in Possibly. Whistler Village, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Because that's a lot the of thing the that, that's been a Winter Olympics thing since Salt Lake is yeah. the medals are all presented in Medals Plaza, which, yeah. is, which is cool. And I'm pretty sure, and it was still there, and then I remember my, getting all my friends to take photos of me standing in front of the Olympic rings, and then you know, rolling their eyes and boring, going th- saying, this is a very important thing for me. Can you just... For five minutes, just support me on this. I can see you and raise you when it comes <laughs> yeah. to the Vancouver Olympics. Because again, same trip. And I was uh, did America and Canada in 2014. I made it my... And we put it into our itinerary. I needed to see the Olympic cauldron. Mm-hmm. And I stood there looking at that thing for ages. Mm-hmm. I took photos of it from every possible and angle. And your wife's going, I'll see you in two hours. <laughs> I just, I <laughs> love, because I, I do, that's one of my favourite cauldrons. I loved the mm-hmm. Vancouver cauldron. And yeah, same thing. And the thing that was kind of cool about that was when we were in Vancouver, it was literally two or three days before the Sochi Games were mm-hmm. starting. So mm-hmm. there was Olympic stuff everywhere mm-hmm. um, because yeah, it was it was mm-hmm. Olympic time. Yeah, again, that's, but, that's a fun thing being in places of ex-Olympic Games. Yeah. You know, them maybe it, maybe if I was uh, wealthy enough, I'd probably tour all around the world looking at old stadiums <laughs> just to get my photo in each one, make and a then, little bucket list. Yeah, and then we'd tour around and go to each Olympics. Like we just go to well, old that sites. Would yeah. definitely be happy. So look, as you know, in reflection, so that was for me. I think because we're talking about Sydney two thousand, getting mm. to be there and experience, and you know, like you, that's where my love of Olympic Games, but just getting to be there and experience the atmosphere, the surrounds, seeing the venues, mm. the buildings, the live site, you know, knowing all this Olympic sports going on right around While you, being there. at Sydney Olympic Park, you know, so many different things. And those days we there was no mobile phones. You couldn't look up results on the phone. So you were glued to TV screens to find yep. out results or, or, you know, going over to boards where they'd print out live results from the rowing or (laughs) the tennis or whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, I didn't, you kind of hinted at my next moment in what you were saying just before about your mum going to the opening ceremony rehearsal. I'm going to say two words to you and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. The dream. Uh, Yeah. That, yeah, I knew this would be be one of your moments. Moments for me. And, International um, listeners will probably need a bit of explanation. Um, you said before that Roy. We live H- in the age of technology, so people yeah. can, can look can up. Look they can look up, up what YouTube. the dream was with but Roy and HG. It's uh, yeah, Roy and HG, two Australian sports comedians. Um, they had a nightly show on the host network here in Australia called The Dream, and it sort of we went from ten o'clock till midnight every like every night of the games. Um, it was a two-hour show. It was a comedy talk show essentially. It was them being very irreverent and taking the piss out of everything and everyone. And they had medalists from all around the world Mm. on that show. And they had their own show mascot. Mm. Because, of course, the Sydney mascots were Sid, Millie and Ollie. You had a a platypus, uh, echidna and a kookaburra. 
and they had Fatso the Wombat yeah. was their <laughs> ma- was their show mascot. And Fatso became a phenomenon to the yep. point where <laughs> athletes were taking Fatso so, onto the dais for medal mm, presentations to mm. where the IOC and SOCOG had to step in and say, They you weren't can't allowed do to do that. that. Yeah, it's like, not an official No, it's mascot. not an official I think I, Yeah, I remember. And it's the men's 4x200 gold medal like relay team um, from the pool. Every gold medalist at... Um, we got in Sydney. Australia Post made a commemorative stamp mm. for it. Yeah, Fatso was on the men's two hundred uh, relay stamp. Yeah, like because one of the athletes, I think it's Michael Klim, is holding him in the photo that they yeah. used for the stamp. Yeah. Um, it, it be, they also gave um, any guest who came on the show because Olympic pins are a big thing got a, a Fatso pin, mm. and it became one of the most sought after pins from the Sydney Olympics mm-hmm. and I can still remember John Drummond from the American Athletics team um, on the last night of the dream being on there and when they gave him the pin getting down on his knees and he's just like I've wanted this so bad I've <laughs> wanted this more than the gold medal yeah, I remember that because it became a real cult thing like everyone was sitting up and watching the dream the athletes would sit up in their like in their mm-hmm. apartments and they'd have mm-hmm. like viewing parties and yeah. stuff and what, what every night the athletes would Clambering to get on the show, yeah. and like you know, Everyone all over the world, wanted to be, wanted to be on the show. Yeah, to be, um, say, to be selected was yeah. probably. And it, it, they, what really got it, people talking about it was they would commentate over sports, sports. and the main ones being the gymnastics, gymnastics the men, the men's floor routines, routine and men's gymnastics. Yeah. So yeah, anyone international listening, jump on YouTube, type in the Dream with Roy and HG, and. You'll see what I'm talking about. It, it it's it's very much Australian humour, but it's great. And I mean, they went on. They did the Ice Dream in 2002 mm. from Salt Lake, and then they did the Dream in Athens in 2004. I, for the life of me, do not know why when Channel Seven got the Olympics back in for 2016, why they didn't bring Roy and HG back. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I actually I tell a lie. I guess I do because I know that like with the time difference. They couldn't really do that because there's live events happening, you know, when the dream would have been on our time. Not in Tokyo. No. With the time difference in Tokyo, stuff here is probably going to wrap up around 10 o'clock or, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock local time here. There is no reason why they can't bring Roy and HG Mm. back for Mm. that two weeks to, Mm. you know, the return of the dream, Um. you know, almost 20 years on. It would be... A ratings bonanza yeah, for I them. Think so. And look, there was remember there was all that talk about why Beijing wasn't they didn't do it for Beijing. Mm, I remember there, they even floated they could just, have called it the rice dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like and I like just people talking and like but there was never any answers. I nah. you know whether it just wasn't in the schedule, but it was within our time zone. Yeah. So you could easily have it. And in two thousand and two but there was Salt Lake, Jacques Rog went on there. They got yeah. the IOC president on the show. Mm. And they were taking the piss, like, and he was like, he was loving it. Like, I remember them saying that they had gifts for him, and Roy going because we know that you know gifts and the IOC go hand in hand regarding the Salt Lake Olympic bid. And I mean, even Rog was like laughing at it. It was yeah, the dream was just brilliant. So mm. yeah, check it out on YouTube. Type in Roy and HG, 
the dream or even just type in the dream sydney 2000 you'll get the videos and, and watch some of it i can you honestly yeah. won't regret it and, and make sure you watch the men's gymnastics because it's yeah. it's hilarious yeah but it's uh, <laughs> I, the, I was about to say the battle hello, boys. hello boys hello boys <laughs> dutch wink <laughs> yes yes so, yeah that that's my second last one so mm. take us home what's your your final big um, memory final big memory that sticks with me and i think a lot of australians will remember it as well um and I I do remember it completely vividly and uh, we're going to go to athletics and just a casual afternoon and um, I was at work at the time and, you know, I had my radio next to my desk but I made sure the Olympics were on in the hi-fi room so I could run around, walk in and see it and listening to Bruce's commentary and you'll know now when the women's 20K walk, walk was on. Yep. And just like, you know, listening to how everyone was going and then Jane Savile's name popped up here and there and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, you know, we haven't had a medal in this event before. Um, I might see what's going on. And then from what I can remember, I think the Italian athlete that was in front of Jane Savile got disqualified. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was a little bit after that that I think Jane triggered and worked out that she'd been disqualified because she was a fair distance in front of Jane Savile. Mm-hmm. And I think from Jane saw her on the side of the road and all of a sudden realised that she was in the gold medal position. And um, they were showing it live on the big screen in the stadium. Mm-hmm. So And then everyone, the crowd realised that she was in the gold medal position. Um, I think maybe even two athletes in front of her had been disqualified. She wasn't in first or second place. I was watching this live. Yeah. And so, like, and I'm listening to Bruce McAvaney's commentary. And I'm going, oh, I'm going to go and watch this. That'd be awesome, like, you know, to see a gold medal live. And so, you know. Wouldn't it? Yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome to see, you know. Um, and then um, uh, she's coming into the Olympic Park, into the stadium area. Literally entering the stadium yeah and you know walking towards like you know everything seems okay like you know you see though you see the the officials on Walking's the side Walking's a shit sport yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah you, i say that in terms of what can happen in a walking the difficulty yeah. you know the rules is you've got to have um one, one foot of ground at all time and the other leg has to be straight mm-hmm. so that's the rules and the officials are very stringent on it Walk, you know, the men's and women's walk in the various instances are one of the most sports where you get disqualified. Which is actually making me think of the dream again with Roman HG because after what you're about to talk about happened with Jane Savile, they showed footage of athletes that made it, and it's actually quite funny as well. If yeah. if that's on YouTube, check they have it out they have the, footage. The they have there is photographs now and footage of athletes from that games both with their feet, feet off the ground, off both. the ground, oh, both off the ground. They were yeah. running. Yep, yep, yep. So Jane wasn't running. No. No, she wasn't. Um, you know, so I went into the room, ran out into the hi-fi room there to watch it live. And um, Jane's kind of, you know, she's knows now that she's in the gold medal position. She can see the stadium. She knows what's going on. I thought she was keeping her calm and composure. And um, she, there she goes, heads down towards the stadium, about to go underneath. Okay, Comes and out comes the, the official the and like, no one, like, you know, we didn't know what was going on here, came out and then you heard, I heard like a tiny little, like from Bruce McAvaney and then up comes the red paddle just as she is about to walk into the stadium. Up comes a red paddle. 
Mm-hmm. And for everyone that the red paddle means disqualified, you get um, three, two warnings, two X's, and then the red paddle for disqualification. And she was just about to walk into the tunnel, and then she would have had an maybe another fifty meters to go to cross the finish line. You know, to be Australia's first medalist in the sport, let alone an Olympic medalist, and. She gets disqualified there, and just the absolute heartbreak of watching. And like you know, I covered, <gasps> covering my mouth, like going, "Oh my god!" And like listening to the commentary, Bruce, they were stunned, stunned. I think that was it. And then looking at Jane, and she was stunned, and looking around, and then I think the crowd probably felt exactly the same. You would have probably heard all the gasps in the crowd as well. Mm. And then just looking at the footage, and then you know the cameras followed Jane as she was led off the track and yeah because they had to get her off the track they had to get her off the track because the other athletes were coming in not not too far behind her and you know she was kind of shoved over the side in a you know in a in a path gutter somewhere just sobbing just sobbing and her coach came yeah, over her coach because which is her husband yeah Matt White and um came over but of course the news crew or the television crew following her as well and just looking at her and just sensing the heartbreak in her, in I remember her, the in her voice of, and then of the husband throwing a chair yep and the part that always stuck with me was when they said to her you know is there anything mm. and she said a gun. a gun to shoot myself yep you know is there anything that could you know that you need to you know a gun to shoot myself you know she was playing with her, her little necklace and mm. the fate you could the tears were still streaming and just i couldn't imagine what was going through her mind you know i'm such a mixed emotion of feelings and i think you know one of those medals that could have been she was minutes away from it and just you know isn't that mm. would that just be the worst feeling in in your sport and you mm. know she, jane had been around for a while and not had too much success on the international stage but you know that heartbreak i'll i'll always remember that like even my shock will. yeah my shock reaction um to seeing it live mm. on television after listening to a little bit on the radio going, i'm gonna go in and watch this live um I will say one good thing, though, is in Athens, um, Jane did get a little bit of redemption and she ended up winning the bronze medal Mm -hmm. in the women's 20K walk. And when she got a medal, the tears streaming down her face. And I do, like, remember reading and, like, you know, people going, why is she so upset about winning a bronze medal? Then people would say, you need to look at what happened to her in Sydney. So, Mm -hmm. and in the interviews after that, she said, this feels like a gold medal to me. She mm. said, like, she said after what happened in Sydney, she said, like, you know, to come and get this, it she, meant so much. She was, correct me if I'm wrong, she was the flag bearer for the Melbourne Commonwealth Games. Is that, was I it? think you might be right there. Sure she was, and she got gold. She got gold at the Com Games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure she was the flag bearer as well. Yeah. Because I think everyone was just, Still, just like we need to do everything to Jane Savile to make up for that. Yeah, and like you know, there, there was a little cutaway to, um, in the crowd, like you know, when she was getting a medal, like lots of standing ovations and cheers. Mm. And I do remember watching the tears stream down her face in Athens. You know, those yeah. early hours of the morning, because mm-hmm. um, the walk medals were awarded the next day. Yeah. Um, but I'm at least you know, and Ch- and uh, Channel Seven broadcast her walk live. But just for me, I was so thrilled for her as well because remembering back four years ago the heartbreak that she had and i can't imagine Mm. for an athlete you know there's all different kinds of things that we get upset about but for an athlete to that and like the realization that the people in front of you just got disqualified you know you're being told you're in the gold medal position you're 
a couple of minutes away from being an Olympic gold medalist in your home in your home country. Yeah. And then out comes that official with a red paddle. Probably at the particular time, one of the most hated humans. <laughs> hated in hated the humans at, at in the country yeah. at that particular moment. So that always sticks with me as something from Sydney. Even you know, even mm. being there live and seeing the Kathy the bad. Yeah, seeing Kathy Freeman, that's a great moment. But that the bad moment and then just the resilience that she had and how she handled herself afterwards mm. and then the redemption that she got mm. for it in I Athens. think if you were to ask any Australian, um, you know, what their number one Olympic heartbreak would be, it would probably be Jane Savile, the yep. 20K walk in Sydney. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to end on a little bit of a happier note. Um, well, happy to a degree, but very sad. Um, closing ceremony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it... That was a happy sad. It, yeah, very happy sad. It, it was a... We were back in... Toowoomba that night um, school started back the next day so I was sort of like wrapping up you know school holiday mode and of course you know for the for the first time in two weeks there was those few hours before the closing ceremony where there was no sport on <laughs> yeah because all the events had wrapped up you yep. know that that was a weird feeling mm. um, and I remember the lead up to the closing ceremony Channel 7 showed a special called Reflections which Reflections, you and I both love yep um, which which looked back on the events of the last two mm. weeks, and it was it was a really good special actually. Mm. Um, but then for me, the closing ceremony, obviously, you know the things like, you know, Juan Antonio Samaranch and and Michael Knight speeches and and you know the extinguishing of the flame, all those things. But but the highlights for me, you know, being an Aussie and also being an Aussie music fan, you know, seeing. You know, Christine Arnoux with mm. the new version of Mile and Home. Uh, you know, my favorite, one of my still one of my favorite bands, um, and my favorite band at the time, Savage Garden, mm. singing uh, you know Affirmation and, yep. and In Excess yep. out there, and and you know, um, I, I still don't quite know why they pushed Kylie Minogue so hard that night, mm. <laughs> because when you look back, Kylie, this was pre Can't Get You Out of My Head. And Kylie wasn't that huge on the world stage mm. then. She wasn't that no. known, but she did multiple numbers yep. and started with an ABBA cover, which yep. still to this day kind of puzzled me a little yep. bit. Um, you know, Midnight Oil wearing the famous was it Sorry. on a night like this that she sung? She sung that, which, yeah. which is fine, but that was a hit at the time. time. You know, it wasn't, you know, but then again, it wasn't a worldwide hit, but on a night like this, that made sense. Mm. Um, you had Vanessa Marossi come back out with Absolutely Everybody, which mm. was a huge Australian hit at the mm. time or from earlier that year. Um, and then, of course, you know, Slim Dusty singing Waltzing Matilda. Mm. Bring it all. You had Men at Work come out yep. and sing Down Under. Yep. Uh, it was it was really, really just a great Do closing you think ceremony. That that's where closing ceremonies became parties? Uh, my feeling with like honest, with Atlanta the, and stuff like it, it was like a closing ceremony, but it didn't have a party atmosphere. It was the first atmosphere. closing ceremony I can really remember. Mm. Actually, to be honest, I think it may be the first closing ceremony I ever saw mm. just because of my age and the time okay. difference and stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Because the Atlanta one, maybe we watched a little bit of it in school because it was happening on a Monday morning, mm. our time, and mm. I was at school. Mm. Um, but yeah, just, just I mean, the clo- it was... It's always sad when an Olympics ends mm, mm. and they extinguish the flame, but it was just that little bit sadder. sadder. Yep. Because you had that moment of I remember going to bed that night just thinking it's over. Yeah, that's what I, I call them my Olympic downer. Yeah, like it's like been... you have that sense because all you were doing is watching sport for mm. two weeks and you know, now we get 
we can look up results and mm. follow things a lot more closely than we ever could. And you get excited when you find out, you know, sports and athletes that you like are moving, progressing to quarterfinal money going. Mm-hmm. You're excited for the next event because we have so much more access to results yeah. and, and things now. So it's your whole life mm. for two weeks. You know, you're like me. We take two weeks off. Yeah. Every, every four years. Which is that easier is, now because we don't work together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is like two weeks off. And I, I had similar... And, and my wife is in the next room. She can pro- probably hear us talking. So she'll think this is weird. But like it is very comparable to how I felt after my wedding day. Mm-hmm. Because again, that's something that consumes you for yeah. so long. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's over. It's over. You've yeah. done it. Yeah. You don't do... You never have that again. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, an Olympics comes around every four years, but not a home Olympics. Mm. Uh, and, I, you know, I remember feeling the same way. Uh, well, actually, I compared it to the Olympics um, because it was the following year. But after, like, my high school formal and graduation, mm. it was like, oh, that's that's over now. Yeah. I, it's done. Yeah. And that's kind of weird, empty feeling, but then you have the memories and, and things like mm. that. But... Yeah, the closing ceremony was was pretty cool, and another moment where the whole family was sitting around the TV watching mm. it, and it was just it was just one of those special things. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then you're wishing, ah, oh, can we have another two weeks? Yeah. But then you go, can we have it every year? Yeah. I think that would take away the specialness of it. Oh yeah. And I think athletes would get so much burnout, and you wouldn't get the quality oh, of the no. athletes oh, no, that you, you get. Yeah, you now. can't do it. You, it. It would be a dream. <laughs> like, but it wouldn't no, never happen. No, but that's what reason. you think. That's what you think when it's finished. Oh, can we do it again next year? Yeah, just another two weeks. But, I mean, the thing is with an Olympics, you've got because you have you know you've got your Olympic year, and then for us, two years later, we only have to wait two years, and we get a double whammy because we get the Winter Olympics, and that's always the same year as the Commonwealth Games mm. as well. Mm. And then you got your various world championships and stuff at the moment. Like the last two weeks, I've been watching the basketball World Cup, mm. hardcore. Mm. Um, talk about talk about sporting heartbreaks. Like yeah, you know uh, this is the yeah, boomers very... losing to Spain again, like they did in Rio, which is you know yeah. But then, you know, look, they're about to play for a blonde, the bronze dreaded medal, bron- the dreaded bronze medal match. You know, so hopefully they just don't finish fourth again. But you know, it's one of those things. We still have, and I mean, I know. You know, American stuff. They've got like the is it the Pan Pan Pacific Games or the Pan Am Games or Pan, something? Yeah, like? Pan Am Games, which they just had recently. Yeah, like which, they're huge which over w- there. They are they're massive over there, and a lot of countries and sports have their Olympic qualifiers yeah. happen at those Pan Am well, Games. All the, the sports save qu- World Cup. save quota places. Yeah, yeah. and it's it, you know I know that in the past has been talks when people you know nays as oh why the Commonwealth Games you know it's not the Olympics it's just like yeah but you need to remember. Other countries have events like the Commonwealth Games as well, where it's not mm. the whole world competing. Mm. Mm. The Pan Am Games is like, you yeah. know, North and South America's and Commonwealth like Games. There's like the Asian Games and stuff yep, like the that. Asian like game. Every, you know, every, every continental continent has, has their, their specific games. Yeah. The, the African Games was on yeah. just a couple of weeks ago. And those those events are, yeah, they're not an Olympic Games. Like, yeah, they're sort of the kid brother or kid sister to the Olympic Games, which is the big, you know, the granddaddy of them all. But without those events... A lot of athletes wouldn't know how to compete yep. at an Olympic Games because right. they need those smaller events. They, yeah, and they need, you know, really strong competition as well. Athletes that they could be competing against at, mm. at the um, at the Olympic Games. I mean, and look, you know, there are there are some things at the Commonwealth Games. That, you know, you do kind of even people like me who just adore the Commonwealth Games. Even I scoff a little bit, you know, when it's like, 
Scotland playing for a bronze medal oh. in the, the men's basketball and stuff. It's kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that could only happen at the Commonwealth oh, Games. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's still it's still important, but that's that's a different topic for another mm. day. So, mm. look, that that's our that's our memories of, of Sydney 2000. We could for probably record for another two hours and yeah, have we could. more, but... But we'll, we'll save some stuff for next year. Hopefully, yeah. like I said, hopefully there'll be an event in yeah. Sydney next year. And if not, Brendan, we can if, not, if not, Brendan and I are just going to Sydney anyway and we'll just do a podcast from outside <laughs> the say, stadium. Hope, you know, we could... Um, we'll find an, an Olympic site somewhere if, and we'll just sit there, there and is, record. Say, if there is an, uh, you know, an actual anniversary event next year in Sydney, which they'd have to be because I know they did a big one for the 10th anniversary, mm. so I can't imagine them not doing one for the 20th. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd almost have to go down and, and record from yep. there. That'd be really yep. cool. Yep. Take, it, take the show on the road. <laughs> but look, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, you can find us at sittingonourrings at podbean.com. You can find us on Twitter at S-O-O-R podcast or Facebook at facebook.com S-O-O-R podcast. That's where we're going to leave this episode. On behalf of Trent, I am Brendan. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. These are my last games as president of the International Olympic Committee. They could not have been better. Therefore, I am proud and happy to proclaim that you have presented to the world the best Olympic Games ever. <laughs> <laughs>